My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions, that's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the U.S. Open Recap Edition of Shack House presented by Callaway Golf. Shack House friends, there is one more week left in the exclusive Shack House Callaway Customs promo offer. Callaway is offering $25 off your order of Callaway Custom Wedges. Choose that paint fill, weight port color scheme, and throw some custom stamping on either the MD3 milled or the MD forged wedges to get up and down with style. To redeem this offer, visit callawaygolf.com customs and use the design tool to get your wedges looking just right. Then enter promo code house25 at checkout to apply the discount house25. How, speaking of discounts, I think you have a little word for us. Oh, yeah. Our good friend SeatGeek. Everybody knows buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing. But there is a better, simpler way to buy, and that's with SeatGeek. With their seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person. Everybody knows that. You got to be there live. SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. Saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. Also, plenty of concert, comedy, theater tickets. Not to mention the PGA Tour events that, that we have lined up here for the rest of the golf season. Best of all, Shack House listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get that $20 rebate, $23, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, click add a promo code, and enter promo code HOUSE, H-O-U-S-E. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the app, enter promo code HOUSE today, H-O-U-S-E, Make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for all things PGA and beyond. And now, let's go to 
the shack house. House, greeting from uh, somewhere outside beautiful Chicago Air O'Hare Airport. Forgive the uh, thunder and lightning in case uh, some of that gets picked up in the background. How you doing today? Shaq, it's not started thundering and lightning here on the East Coast, but it's it's pending here as well. Uh, glad to hear that you're still in the Midwest. Are you reveling in the reverie that was the Kepka experience of yesterday? <laughs> I think that might be a little strong. but uh, <laughs> Well, this, and just so everybody knows, this is the second Shaq House we've recorded of uh, a post-U.S. Open. So uh, House knows exactly how I feel about all this. But, no, you know, it was a good week. And I think that we have to put a lot of these things in perspective that went on. There's a lot of complaining that this wasn't a true U.S. Open. And, and there are a lot of things that people are upset about. And I understand that. But this was a very difficult venue. They made it work in a lot of ways. The weather changed things in ways they hadn't anticipated. Um, and so I think it worked well. And I, I guess the point I would make is that history will look back and you will say Brooks Kepka won the U.S. Open. He deserved to win the U.S. Open. Yeah, the score was low. But nobody looks back at Rory at Congressional uh, shooting the same thing in terms of par, uh, in relation to par, as Brooks Kepka. Nobody looks back and, and thinks that was the tainted U.S. Open. That's right. And I don't think that this performance by Mr. Kepka is going to be look back as any kind of a tainted performance. There was no doubt from the beginning to the end that he was the best player. The point of the U.S. Open is to determine the best player at at that particular point in time. That's the entire premise of our United States Open championship. And Kepka was the guy. He, He showed it with a virtuoso performance Sunday, and you know, he and Matsuyama really set themselves apart yesterday in conditions that were a challenge for a lot of guys that, that had aspirations and ambition. I do want to take a quick note, Shaq. You just mentioned that you and I already had a conversation. This is indeed the very first ever Shaq House Mulligan Show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Shaq is cruel sometimes. Yeah. Uh, tell me how you consumed this U.S. Open because you were playing a member guest, and so I'm I'm, I'm kind of fascinated to hear what the reaction of the people you encountered was to Aaron Hills and the way the golf course played, and then just kind of how you you took the whole thing in. You know, one one thing to note right away: a big fan personally of the tournament coverage starting at 11 in the morning and and running all the way until the lights went out in the evening uh, because that allowed for uh, the ability to catch snippets uh, on on each day. I, I I didn't have an opportunity because of the member guests to sit down and watch an extended uh, period, really until I watched the end of Saturday and then then all of Sunday. But you're asking me about the group that I was with. This this is a group of of serious golfers. You know, guys that are um, you know belong to a club and have kind of a traditional, uh, generally speaking, traditional approach. To the game, and on balance, um, th- these guys appreciated what Aaron Hills was trying to accomplish. But uh, across the board, folks were kind of pining for the U.S. Open that we that our that our dads um, kind of grew up with, which is something slightly more severe, a more you know a, a, a challenge that um, produces 
big losers. There's a lot of carnage in the way that that um, folks come to expect the U.S. Open, and that was a prevailing sentiment among the crowd that I was with. The group appreciated uh, the new venue, and I think people understood what the USGA was trying to accomplish, which is you know introducing pu- more public venues into the Rota. Um, places that that the American golfing public can go enjoy and sample and try out themselves, but um, because of the scoring that really kicked off, you know, on day one, um, it didn't really feel like that that U.S. Open, you know, um, kind of a murderer's row vibe. Yeah, and and you you touched on this a bit uh, earlier. The the course was really imagined and designed and set up, and we talked about this with Mike Davis. Imagining dry conditions and and windy conditions, and instead, what the the course experienced last week was rain for the first you know three days in the lead up to the event. So it was a very soft course, and we didn't really get any of the wind that was supposed to be part of the challenge of the of the tournament until Sunday. No, no. no and they set up the the advanced setup of the course was was done so with the potential for a wind event or, or, or really daily winds in mind. And so they erred on the side of caution, no question. And I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I know a lot of people were bothered by that, the width. And, and, but if it had gotten, well, it was pretty brutal yesterday on Sunday. It was, it was, but the greens were holding and, and so pure that the guys still scored pretty well despite the wind. And, and, I, and I completely get what people want in terms of the U.S. Open and the challenge, but sometimes you're just at the mercy of weather and you can only do so much. And, and you have to err on the side of, of too easy, or I don't even like the word easy, because that house, that course is brutal. It is so hard. It is so long and big, and there's so much trouble. And, and so I think that people forget, because it, it, it was a really bad run for a few years with the U.S. Open, where you felt like Maybe the the right person didn't win. That the setup painted the outcome, and you just can't have that. And so Mike did the right thing, and Jeff Hall who does the front nine and and uh, airing on, on this side. And by the way, by doing so with with greens that were more sane, they are being more consistent with their message about sustainability. Oh yeah, and the six hour rounds we thought were a given didn't even come close to happening because the guys just were so much faster on the greens than they they were. Uh, so less finicky uh, about the the 18 inch putts and marking every single one and that i attribute to the speed and and the quality of the the putting surfaces i mean they were just amazingly good but then also they just weren't that insane speed so that that's a very positive thing and and these are things though that that (laughs) people who want who want to be entertained and and want to see all the trouble uh are satisfied with I think it's worth mentioning a few of the uh, statistical accomplishments that really provide the context for how well Kepka played throughout the week. Yeah, let's, let's yeah. And, and, exactly. and you know, what, let's, one thing, uh, I, I, I read um, Kyle Porter's story from earlier today. Uh, he mentioned this stat that coming into the event, Kepka was 151st in fairways hit and 98th on tour in greens and regulation. And as we know, he was top five in, in both of those categories 
this week, particularly the, the greens in regulation. I think he hit 17 greens in regulation yesterday, and I think he was best in field in, at, at greens in regulation through the balance of the tournament. Is that right? Yeah, I think it was over 80% of the greens in uh, regulation were hit by him. And I don't know, I never did get a count on yesterday's irons or what he hit in, but he through three rounds, he had never hit uh, anything uh, more than a seven iron into a green. Which which helps, which speaks to his power advantage, and and uh, that was certainly rewarded. Although I think we we agree that the power bombers bias was there, but it wasn't so uh, so extreme that other people like Brian Harmon or even Ricky. I looked at his numbers. I mean, he was only averaging two ninety seven. House poor guy, only only <laughs> only thirty three yards under three hundred for the week. Yeah, um, he. Uh, so th- there were th- there were people on the leaderboard who were not bombing it, but obviously the difference on a lot of those holes with the uphill second shots and the elevated greens to be hitting a shorter iron, shorter iron in, and then to be able to be some somebody who's who's hits the ball high uh, as as Kepka does was was enough of an advantage for him, and then obviously everything kind of came together. So it was it was really fun to see that. Um, I got to walk. A few holes with him on the front nine on Tuesday, and he was very relaxed. It was he was playing with Dustin Johnson, and then with this young man from Pepperdine, Sahith Agala. And um, I, you know, I was so impressed that those two, uh, uh, Kepka and Johnson, who are good friends, could have told this kid qualifier to bug off. We have our business to do because both Claude Harmon, uh, Brooks's teacher, and Butch Harmon went with them, and Butch went all eighteen with Dustin. And they were out there grinding, getting ready, trying to prepare late into the evening, maintenance workers flying around, and it was chaos. And, of course, DJ being the number one player and the defending champion, uh, the USGA and, and is not going to tell him no about anything right now because he saved him last year. And um, and it was just fun to watch. And it was fun that they uh, – it was one of those things where they – to see them embrace the young man like that and not, not just uh, say, shoo away, go, go play by yourself. Is one of those great things about the U.S. Open. You you kind of find out who the class acts are in, in golf, and and Kepka and, and he were uh, and DJ were both very nice to him, and and I think it was a uh, good karma for him. Yeah, that's right. I I didn't realize until um, the the Kepka story started to firm up when it became apparent that he was going to win, and then immediately after when he was doing interviews, the relationship between he and DJ, how close they are. That they're um, you know gym rat training buddies, and you know there's they have in common uh, the Harmon family, um, Claude with with Brooks and and Butch with um, uh, DJ, all all these these kind of of links and and you know Brooks mentioned getting on the phone with DJ, DJ giving him a call. <laughs> he made a it was funny. He said yeah, we had a, one a of our longer calls. It was a two minute call, um, but that's. <laughs> That's a pretty good, you know, what's interesting to me is those those two guys, um, I'm really hoping that this this charts a course for Kepka because I'd really like to see these two those two guys go head to head a little bit. Um, very interesting power games, similarities in their power games. And then uh, you know, if if Brooks can can capitalize on what we saw in terms of his ball striking, because you know, while it's the case that he was not hitting longer irons, the important thing for him was he was hitting from hitting his irons from fairways. So the accuracy thing was the real 
distinguishing factor for Brooks. Yeah. But if if he and DJ, I mean, you know, at, at this point, I'm kind of desperate. I want I want to get a rivalry going somewhere. I would counter, though. Yeah, I mean, we want a rivalry, and this is a show in its unto itself. I mean, we've been talking about this, and there was very much. Uh, a lot of discussion at Aaron Hills, and I'm looking forward. There are a couple pieces I'm looking forward to reading on the plane ride home about the sort of uh, closeness of all these players and the lack of rivalries and the lack of really guys not um, – we just don't have any situations where players don't like each other, where they all seem to get along pretty well. And and I think there's some people now sensing that the, the, some combination of that and parity is a little bit dangerous – for the sport in terms of being competitive and exciting and having that dramatic tension. And, and, uh, so I, I don't know. I, that, again, it's a very complicated subject and, and you, you don't want people to be rude and, and jerks out there. Uh, so I, I'm with you that it'd be fun to watch them compete head to head, but I also like it that we had a Brian Harmon and some other people on the leaderboard who, who don't bomb it. And, uh, so it was a it was a it was a strange leaderboard for sure. It was it was not quite what we expected from from Aaron Hills to have so many top players just completely uh, stumble and blow up and not be able to play the place and then have those crazy low scores in contrast. Yeah, that that's going to go down in history as kind of the most uh, inexplicable aspect of, of this tournament. All the top three guys in the world all bomb out. But the prevailing sentiment coming into the tournament and then validated by the performance of the guy who won was that it was a wide open venue, big fairways. Rory himself said, if you can't hit these fairways, you ought to patch your bags and go home. And by golly, Rory did that. <laughs> so, I mean, that was yeah. a terrible Rory impression. But, um, you know, if you, there was no real explanation for why... Um, those three guys in particular, Day, DJ, and Rory, could not hit the ball down the middle um, other than, you know, perhaps the the, the way that, that they responded to the, the way the course was set up and how their eye sort of captured the course. Now, with you, when you were walking with DJ on Tuesday, how was he hitting the ball? What did it look like to you? Oh, he was hitting the ball great, and he looked very engaged in the, in the round, and he, he appeared to really like the course. He was enjoying by the by a the turn when it was just he and Sahith and, and their instructors and, and caddies, he was really getting into showing lines that he thought were the best ways to attack the holes. And uh, so it was, and, and by the way, he, his round was one of those, he was just kind of staying around and, and then it just kind of went bad at the end. It wasn't like his flame out wasn't nearly as distressing or shocking as, as Jason days. And, and, and then maybe to another extent, Rory's wasn't as shocking because he's rusty and, and uh, he's got and, a new club. Yeah, play he, a new putter. He, yeah, and I think he thinks he can roll in like Tiger and uh, off the layoff just show up. And I don't know how many people really could do that. It's a, it's a that's a gift. That's a talent. And uh, Rory did not do that very well. So now, House, did you play Chrome Softs in the member guest? I hope, please. Tell I, me. You I, did. I, I play. Of course, I played the Chrome Softs. I took a I took a picture on okay. Friday. I tried to show everybody what I was oh, yeah. up to. Now I have to confess, when I took the picture check, I uh, it was kind of late in the yours afternoon. Was about, yours was about as subtle as Brooks Kepka's uh, uh, stream of, <laughs> of post U.S. Open tweets that are like the uh, the Michelob ad and the NetJets plug. But anyway, well, yours, not, yours was yours I, was a little more 
subtle. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sponsored by Coors Light, although I'm available. And I'm also not sponsored by, <laughs> by, by the club, by by the by by Westwood Country Club in lovely Vienna, Virginia. Uh, although their their fine um, lemonade was on display there, and uh, mm. but you know, I, I I was I showed what I was playing with. I just wanted everybody to see. I was all my, all my bases were covered for the member guests. I had my driver, my ball, and my my beverages. I was ready to roll. Yeah. Well. As you know, House, of course, and I'm sure you shared this insight with all of your playing partners, but Callaway has been the fastest-growing major golf ball brand since 2013, and its Chrome Soft golf ball, of course, is the main reason behind that. And, House, I'm sure you shared during a lull on the tee the importance of the Chrome Soft's performance with the Dual Soft Fast Core, which makes it extremely fast, incredibly soft, and what else, House? Oh, yeah, unbelievably easy to control. Uh, now, I don't know how you feel about personalization, but you can still get free personalization till the end of June at CallawayGolf.com. So go there, get your personalized Chrome Soft, throw in your uh, Callaway Custom Wedge with the House 25 discount. Uh, and uh, remember, it's the ball that changed the ball. With the seasons changing, fellas, it's time to update your wardrobe. We know that nailing down style can be a tricky feat, especially if you're not really into shopping, which is true of, uh, obviously, all men. Thankfully, there is Bombfell, B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L, an online personal styling service that helps the fellas find the right clothes for them. All you have to do is complete a simple questionnaire and you're matched with a dedicated personal stylist who handpicks pieces specifically for you. Once you've looked at what they've picked out for you, you have 48 hours to make changes, or you can just cancel it. Simple, straightforward service all the way around. You're in total control, no hidden fees or gotchas. You only pay for what you keep, and there's no charge to send the stuff back if you don't like it, or it doesn't fit. You can even reschedule or skip shipments at any time. Bombfell is on your side. I, my own self, the house, ordered up a few pieces using the Bombfell personal style quiz, and I have to tell you, it was they went three for three with me. Best of all, we've partnered with Bombfell to get our listeners a special offer of $25 off your first purchase when you go to bombfell.com slash shackhouse. That's bombfell, B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash shackhouse for $25 off your first purchase. Go do it, fellas. So, how? So, USGA was as much of a story in this as as uh, anything else because of the way they came into this tournament on edge and and then the way that it executed a lot of people were tough on them what, what, what was kind of what your sense of what you heard from golfers and, and their take on the USGA and kind of how did you respond to them so folks understood that that we are in year one a DJ right after DJ this is the first year for the USGA to do a few things in the way of, of rehabilitation. It needed a little bit of rehabilitation with the viewing public because the experience last year on the back nine of the U.S. Open at Oakmont was confounding and frustrating for the viewing public. It needed some rehabilitation, the USGA did, and everybody recognized this, recognized this uh, between the organization and the, and the players. And in that respect, I found it very interesting that... The uh, 
a couple of the players early on the scene, early last week, took note of particularly thick, high fescue in certain places that were uh, perhaps unfair. And those players kind of called out um, the setup, the potential setup, on social media. And um, by golly, the next day, we see the, 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 the superintendent and crew <laughs> out there with the mowers chopping down the fescue. Now, I think my, my, on my side of the, the fence, my guys, um, the people I was playing with, everybody thought that was a little bit of an overreaction. The, 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 the guys um, with, you know, responsible for, for maintenance said that was all part of an already planned and already scheduled um, chop down that that had begun right. the, the week before. But my, my crew was not buying it. Most fo- my, folks on my side of the no. fence thought, thought Rory made a good point. In terms of you know, come on, guys. With the fairways are already wide enough. The 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 fescue is is part of the overall experience. Don't hit it in there if you don't um, you know w- want to experience the penal effects of it. And I think that was the, you know on yeah. the, the thought out, out, out of my crew. Now you're you're physically there. So what kind of vibe did you detect? Walking around the grounds and your interaction with the writers and 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 uh, the players yourself. Well, so much of the player opinion of, of the USGA comes down to how the, the greens are rolling, but I, and they were great. So they liked the course for the most part, and the conditions were amazing. Like the superintendent and his crew just did a phenomenal job. So that that kind of ends a lot of the criticism right off the, the bat with uh, with today's player. Uh, but in general, there's just a hostility there left over from Dustin Johnson and I would really attribute it to the fact that the players just still look at that situation and don't um, really feel what happened last year still was the right thing that, that, that they looked at Dustin Johnson and said guilty until proven innocent and and the players I think want to be treated as innocent until proven guilty when there's a rule situation and so there's just a, a long-term uh, attitude by USGA types uh, that the amateur golfer is the purest, the professional is uh, less pure. And and that still pervades today, I think, their mentality. And I think the players say, well, wait a second, you make all this money to fund what you do and pay your salaries and and uh, do your initiatives and have uh, your role in the game. And it all really, most of it comes from this U.S. Open. And yet you still kind of think of us as second-class citizens. So that, that hasn't changed. And that's why the purse went up this year, and Mike Davis has done some things to to, out, to do some outreach to explain to players what the USGA does. You know, a lot of them don't know, and I think that's helping. But there were there were elements to the to the setup and the situation that were were kind of funny. Little stuff you'd see, like the the weird parking lot and entrance road, and they had this just ridiculous dirt road that you came in, and there was no, no nothing glamorous, no sign, welcome to the US Open. It was just terrible. It, it looked it looked silly. And uh, you're thinking, got some kids just qualified. He's, he's come to the U.S. Open, and he's he has to wait at the entrance because it's not wide enough for a bus and a car and dirt road and cones, and um, he's parking on the side of a hill and a, a field. It, it, weird stuff like that. So, in that sense, but I think the setup really won them over a lot. The players will will have their view now, and then they'll think back, and I think a little while, and go, oh, you know what? They did the right thing. They were careful there. They didn't let it get out of control. And hats off to them for doing that. So I think it's one of those we really do need to kind of give this one some time to breathe. And, and there will there will be people who just are never 
pleased with it, and I totally get that. You want the U.S. Open to be one thing, but I think a lot of other people will just kind of remember that Brooks Kepka won it. He went out there and won it, so they have him to thank, too. All right, so, of course, the other component with the U.S. Open and the USGA always relates to Fox and their coverage. Uh, I thought it was really, really strong. They're strongest yet, but obviously, uh, hey, Joe Jabuck uh, is on the apology tour, as I understand it. He was on Dan Patrick, and he's uh, explaining his <laughs> his little boondoggle uh, there, uh, identifying Brooks Kepka's girlfriend incorrectly. Uh, and being corrected by Brad Fax, and, and it's unfortunate because I think it's distracting from what was a telecast that, uh, you know, it had some, there are so many hours, and it did a lot of the things that we've discussed with various people that we think golf television needs more of, more more graphics, more shot tracers, and uh, uh, just the sound was just tremendous this year, some of the conversations they picked up. Um, did, from, from your perspective, uh, I was in the media center and, you know, listening and looking at a big screen, but how did it look to you? It looked great. So the combination of the, the way the course itself presented on television, it was such a visually different perspective from Chambers Bay. And that's really, to me, the, the proper comparison. Um, you know, it's not fair to, to uh, compare... Aaron Hill to Oakmont because we have, you know, um, a whole lifetime of, of watching Oakmont on, on TV and seeing guys play it. We know what that should look like. We don't know what Aaron Hill should look like. It's a brand new venue for the viewing public. And I thought it was such a um, dramatic improvement in terms of just sheer viewing over Chambers Bay. Um, the the, the uh, contrast between... Um, just simply from a color perspective, the fescue and the native grasses compared to kind of the lush yeah. green of the greens themselves. And it also, I'm not sure if this is a function of HD or what, but I really got um, a good feel for elevation. Um, it looks like Aaron Hills, uh, quite, you know, unsurprisingly, is hilly. And maybe it's because of <laughs> watching the guys walk up and walk down. Maybe because of the way the ball behaved. You know, when the bombers got a hold of one, you could see they sort of hit a place and then it would roll for another 30 or 40 or 60 yards in some instances. Um, like, uh, yeah, Kepka's T-ball on 18 looked like it was going to roll, you know, uh, uh, 400 yards. And, and maybe at the end of the day it did. I, I think it was just shy of 400 yards. But... Um, from a from a visual perspective, the combination of the way the course looked, plus of course the technology you just described, which I, I, we've talked about this, we've had we've been lucky enough to have some some TV folks, guys that produce um, these big these big tournaments on uh, Tommy Roy and then Mark Loomis recently, and then we also um, talked about this a little bit with the Mister Commissioner himself, Jay Monahan, around, you know, the, the interest of the viewing public in um, capturing the um, essence of the way the players are playing these holes, enhanced by the technology, the tracer technology. And I really uh, especially appreciated the side-by-side, -side, where you would see a player hit, um, and then on the side, you would see the ball traveling, um, you know, a certain path with the overlay of the hole, so you could see how the ball was was um, sort of tracing out um, against the hole, 
And a couple times, there were, especially yesterday, when guys missed and gave a reaction in the box, you couldn't see their ball, obviously, from that shot, but you could see the ball moving from the overlay on the right-hand side, and that was pretty cool. Yeah, it really was. And, and you're right. I, they, they did capture the elevation. I think they did that. You saw a lot of camera shots where the camera would start and then it would move up. And they also just get up higher behind the player. I thought they captured the course beautifully. And the reaction I heard and saw on social media and various places, people were, they thought the course came off beautifully in, the, in, in terms of the visual. And so that's, a, that's very uh, much a compliment to Fox and the way they presented it. I, uh, I just think that they, uh, the only negative was that they were on so long and it maybe got a little bit ragged there at the end on, on Sunday. Uh, and then it would, that, that may have explained you know, some of the mistakes, but I, I don't think that should overshadow the, 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 the telecast, the features, the, uh, the brownie points were just, wow, those house, they've got me reevaluating how I talk about courses and present them. He, he is so good at getting right to the point of those holes and giving you so much information. And they timed a lot of them perfectly when the, for when the players got there. It was it was great, great stuff if you were watching. Yeah, I, I understand from an earlier conversation you and I might have had that, <laughs> that there was uh, brownie points in Augusta um, that I'd be very interested in tracking down and, and watching now after the fact because I so enjoyed the way that he provided information <laughs> um, about Aaron Hills in, in a way that um, – you know, I learned something, but, you know, he's got a, the right kind of sense of humor about it. And, you know, it was a good balance between, you know, the, just trying to convey a, a small point about something that the viewers might not necessarily intuit from watching the thing. Um, but, you know, w- with the, the right kind of self-awareness about it, no, not taking um, himself too seriously, which is part of Ken Brown's obvious charm. Yeah, yeah. And he... Uh, you're right. He does blend the, enough seriousness with, with humor and, and really highlights things. You're right. It would be so fun to listen to what he has to say about Augusta. It's amazing they allow him to go out and do that and bring his bag of tricks out there. And it's, it's so foreign to everything they try to do. But it's Sky Sports, and he's, they're allowed to do that, and they, they view that telecast as a, as a different one um, than, than the CBS one. So he was sensational. I uh, I thought most of the announcing was very good. Of course, there's the usual uh, Joe Buck griping on uh, social media. He's not a popular uh, man with some people. If you like him, you do. If you don't, they uh, you really don't like him. And um, I, I don't feel like he he did enough to track this time. There's there, for me um, the mistake I think is more humorous than anything, and. Uh, he, he has been defending it also today with some of the interviews he's done. Uh, I think he's referred to her, Brooks' girlfriend, as his one-week uh, girlfriend or girlfriend of a week. And I don't know if that's going to help put the whole thing to bed or not, but uh, she hasn't been with him too long. And uh, so <laughs> it's it still, though, you, you, you do wonder how that name made it to the notes. But uh, it's, it's uh, amazing how that kind of thing becomes such a, a – a fascinating element when there were so many other things to seize on. Now, one other thing from our earlier conversation and uh, that, that I, we didn't agree on, you love the length of the broadcast. And I, I just feel nine and a half hours is too long. And I have, I have reasons that are both uh, related to modern society and the business of golf. But, but why, why do you like that they're on that long? 
Well, it's especially the case on Thursday and Friday, but it carried on to Saturday as well. I like to be able to watch the golf when when I'm um, when I have the opportunity to watch it. And so if it's on, if it becomes on at eleven and it's on until the lights go out at night, that means through the course of the day, when I find a few opportunities, I don't have to try and track it down on my phone and watch a substandard streaming experience. And I don't have to try and grab, you know, featured stuff on on the internet. I can, you know, go into my 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 local if I'm at work and it's lunchtime, I can go to my restaurant of choice, ask them to pull it up on the television and watch, you know, an hour's worth of it just to get a feel for what's going on. And the other thing about, you know, the, the duration of the broadcast when it's um, spread out like that, I don't feel like I'm, I'm in a rush. I can get uh, the feel for the pace of um, the, the, the competition. So one of the things that we were attuned to before this tournament started was, are there going to be six hour rounds? How are these guys going to make it around? Where are the challenges um, going to come from? Are the are the greens going to be um, so hard because of the wind and 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 the firmness of them, such that we're going to see four putts and stuff? And then it turned out that the pace of play was totally reasonable. I can get that if I'm sitting and watching the broadcast, even if it's just for a half hour or 45 minutes. You can see how quickly guys are playing holes and where the challenges come from and whether or not you know the thing's going to be unduly delayed across the board by watching broadcast TV. Um, I do think, you know, in, in view of the, the comment you made about nine and a half hours being too long, I, it, it can't be the case that resources at Fox are so constrained that they couldn't come up with a couple different approaches. You know, broadcast team for one portion of the day, broadcast team for middle portion of the day, broadcast team for prime time, and, and ensure that we have some fresh voices and some fresh eyes. And I honestly think that could be kind of an interesting thing. Save Zinger and Faxon and Joe Buck for kind of the primetime coverage and let, you know, some other folks, there's lots of competent golf um, observers out there, plenty of, of very good um, personalities uh, in golf for TV where we could watch elements of the broadcast and, and get, you know, kind of different perspectives. So that that's kind of one thought that I have about, you know, how you might conquer the duration of TV. Now, uh, the, the, the answer to that is, well, we're not going to spend the money. And if that's the answer, then that's the answer. But I, I, that's one one thought that appealed to me. Yeah, they're spending so much already that I think it's that's part of it. Part of it is they, you know, when they go to a, a non-lead team, people take that the wrong way. Let's face it, golf audiences are tough. They're fickle, and my my issue is that it's just a long time to be working for the crew and for the announcers to stay focused. And then uh, from a ratings point of view, it's disastrous. You know, this is this is the second. Uh, worst rated U.S. Open ever. They're on for nine and a half hours, which is a lot longer than uh, it has been in the past. You know, I think by at least two hours. And um, so then you have this negative story that the ratings were, were bad and, and it, it kind of it snowballs. And I just would love to see, uh, you know, if you want to be on that many hours, start on FS1, but then the big show on Fox, the, the, the final uh, nine or the final 12 holes or, or whatever that, sweet spot is that gives them a three-hour telecast. I think that's one that people who are not hardcore fans feel like they can commit to that, really put a lot into that. And and then for the core golf fan, they'll be on the uh, the, the, the pre-broadcast on whatever, and then they'll go to that. So 
I think it's something that a lot of these people need to look at. I love that they want to give us all this golf, but the, a lot of the repercussions I don't think are, are so special. So, um, House, is there anything else you want to mop up from this U.S. Open before I, I head on out? I think we, we've uh, covered enough on this. Well, the one thing that I'm interested in, it's never too early to be thinking about the next major, Jeff Shackelford. Let's talk about a couple guys that 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 acquitted themselves. Now I am I am you know I am going to do thirty seconds patting ourselves on the back for getting a couple names right this week. We did uh, in the first place. You you were pretty adamant that low scores were going to be the order of the day, and you were pretty adamant that um, the bombers would have an advantage. Now it was interesting that Brian Harmon appeared and competed, and it was on the back nine. That, that Kepka finally separated himself. And that was an interesting battle between a guy, you know, that was probably on average 60 or 70 yards behind Kepka on each hole. But <clears throat> at the end of the day, the bomber pre- prevailed. Um, uh, but we did get a few things right about, you know, this U.S. Open championship. And I did mention Brooks Kepka a few times, both. On, oh, on. I see where you're going with this. You just want to mention that you got it right. You don't care about that. Okay, go on. I, I mean, I do, moment. I do care. It's important for us and our credibility to let people know when we get it right, yeah, Jeff Shackelford. Right. Five out of the last six majors. It certainly wasn't my pick to stand out. Go ahead. Well, you, you, you were on Ricky early. We talked about Ricky for three straight weeks in the lead-up to, to the tournament. And by, by, by golly, Ricky acquitted himself quite well. I was on Kepka and Peters because I liked the odds that they that they were at. They were in that forty to fifty to one odds class, and both those guys fit a kind of profile that we talk about um, running up in the run up to the to the uh, comp- competition as as you know um, particularly well suited to take on the challenges that we thought Aaron Hills was going to present. But enough about that. Let's talk about the Open Championship. Name a name, and then I'll name a name. Well, I don't think there's any doubt that now we're going to all pay very close attention to Tommy Fleetwood with that great fourth-place finish. Uh, he's, uh, he's got the hair. He's got the incredible golf swing and, he, and an interesting personality, and he grew up right down the street from Burkdale. Literally, that's his childhood home, and so he's played there, and he's going to have this mojo. He's a great story. He hit 188th in the world about a year and a half ago at rock bottom kind of coming back and so it's not exactly a secret that everybody's going to be watching what Tommy Fleetwood does here in the lead up to the to the Open Championship which this year includes not just the Scottish Open on Lynx golf and uh, for European tour watchers but also a Rory's tournament is played on a Lynx so obviously that's my pick. Um, perfectly reasonable uh, it was a it was a joy watching him and Kepka pair together you could see Tommy's got a, a personality a flair um where Kepka was kind of, you know, in the in the moment, just taking the next shot as it came. Tommy showed a little bit of uh, emotion, a little excitement, and and uh, it was pretty enjoyable. So I, I'm I'm excited to see what he's got up his sleeve for Burkdale as well. My the name I'm going to mention is a guy that I'm anticipating is going to hit that number that I'm always after, which is in that 45 to one to 60 to one class. I'm hoping that I can get odds like that, and that's Paul Casey who started off last week mm. looking like um, he, he was actually, you know, he was well-positioned to do something. He was on the fir- first page of the leaderboard Friday night into Saturday, and then um, he he uh, 
he had a little bit of a misstep. He he ended the weekend, at, I think, with a 74 and a 75 or a 75 and a 74. But he's been quietly, yeah. uh, you know, quietly successful this season. He he's um, been hitting some some top top ten, top twenty kind of metrics, and and I think he's uh, uh, sort of positioning quietly. This is again, if this fits the class of a guy that I'm looking for around forty five to one to fifty to one, I think Casey might come in kind of quietly. I'm, I'm he's a guy I'm going to watch over the next five weeks. Let me put it that way. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Um, well, we're going to, uh, we're finalizing some of our plans here for the pre open championship shack houses, and, uh, we're going to get some great guests and, and hopefully, uh, really enjoy this run up to Burkdale. Of course, I don't know. So we're going to try to get some people who uh, tell us about it and, and, uh, just talk some fun golf. Uh, but I, uh, house, I, on that note, I have to get out of here. Uh, this is time for me to, to head back to sunny Los Angeles and, uh, and get a little uh, uh, recharging after a fun open. Yeah, that's right. Well, Shaq, uh, great job from the Midwest. Hope everybody enjoyed the Shaq House U.S. Open recap. Let's close this U.S. Open recap edition of Shack House with a word from our good friends at Odyssey Golf. Odyssey is the number one putter in golf, and they are especially hot right now with the O-Works Micro Hinge Insert. The better the roll, the more putts you make. The Micro Hinge Insert from Odyssey dynamically generates top spin at impact, keeping the ball on its intended line to help you make more putts. See the improved roll by simply rolling one putt at your local golf shop today. Odyssey is the number one putter in golf. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.